0: okay harry we're live welcome to the show
1: thanks very much greg it's great to be on
0: you're uh for those looking on youtube you're suited and booted for this you're the, you're the smartest guest we've ever had you're stuck at work right
1: yeah no that's a that's a title i'm happy to claim yeah currently <laughs> still in the office so i thought best to best to stick with office attire for now
0: <laughs> all right cool all right so um uh where, where should we start well we, we start basically to give some background. You're you won recently the, the men's pro race, London Olympia, biggest High Rocks event ever. You won it in 59.34, wasn't it? Yeah, that, that's right, yeah. It's a very impressive time. And uh, to be honest, like I must admit, I feel like I know a lot of people in this sport, but um, but it, it feels like you came from nowhere, which I, I, I know you didn't completely, but because um, you're not hugely present on social media and so on, I don't think a lot of people were aware of you. So... um. Congratulations on the win. What 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 have you done in the past in HyROX? Can you can you give us some background into your races up to now?
1: Yeah, sure. And and yeah, thanks, thanks very much. Um it in terms of HyROX stuff, I did my first race back in Manchester last year. So kind of January 22. I, I came into it completely cold. So um I'd started doing kind of CrossFit as my sport for a few months, for about a year and maybe a couple of months at that point. And um, one of my training partners, it was a guy called James actually, had seen some of the high rock social media stuff and said, you know, you should you should think about competing. This this might be a good event for you. So I signed up. He he also signed up with one of my other training partners, but in the men's open doubles uh, category. So him and Johnny went to that one and that was their first one. And I did the men's pro uh, individual instead. And yeah, that was my first hit out. I, I hadn't done loads of kind of high rock specific work for that event. I uh, just kind of was, was relying really on my general CrossFit training and preparedness for that. But to give you an idea, you know, some of the things like the sled rope pull, I'd, I'd never touched that before, just because equipment wise, we didn't have that at, at the gym that that we work, work out at. And some of the other bits and pieces, I hadn't put loads of time in on them. So um, I turned up, I ran it in tennis shoes and, <laughs> and ran a 107, Um, And and that was with kind of really very little running volume in, in the legs. And that actually, by chance, I think I placed sixth or seventh overall in the pro division. But by age group, I won my age group. So I won the 25 to 29. So it put me through to Vegas. So I went went out to Vegas. That was my second High Rocks race last year. Went out there competing in the 25 to 29 category unfortunately picked up uh quite a nasty injury in training about five weeks out so i tore my it band and it was only really thanks to to my physio clive from PhysioFit, who's, who's an absolute wizard who who got me prepped and ready to go for vegas and so i got out there but i hadn't actually done any running or any leg work until the week of the competition so like three days before I I did a bit of running on a treadmill just to check that my legs were still working, but I was kind of just winging it really and hoping that it would all go, go down. Okay. And despite feeling a lot fitter, I actually ended up putting in a very similar time. So like a one Oh seven in Vegas, which put me fourth in the 25 to 29 category. So kind of a good result, but um, a bit gut wrenching just to kind of have your preparations cut short and, you know, entirely in my control that, that was something I'd got my training load and, and, the nature of my training slightly wrong in the prep and kind of effectively paid the price, I guess. So came off the back of that and then decided that this season I was gonna have have another crack at it and kind of do a bit more work. So um, decided to change up my training and make it slightly more High rocks focused instead of just being general kind of CrossFit that with a, a small run into each High rocks comp. And so I brought on board and started working with Olivia from Team Meraki, who's a fantastic running and triathlon coach. And she started programming some actual running work for me. And so that all really started sort of late summer last year. The next High Rocks race I did was Birmingham, uh, October 22. So this season came second overall in the men's pro there, just losing out to James Kelly and put in a 103. So kind of shaved four, four and a bit minutes off my previous time. Felt a lot better. Felt like, there was still loads more to come to be honest i didn't feel like i was kind of maxing out my fitness it was more a case of some of the again some of the prep i got slightly wrong so my nutrition on race day and I, I had a bit of a calf twinge kind of on on sort of the fifth or, or fourth k and then was kind of struggling sort of thereafter and then after that my next one was manchester which is where where my, where i'm from where i grew up where my family are based so for me, that was like a big home race. I was always going to do that one so everyone could come and watch. But unfortunately, I, I was ill on race day, still ran, still did it all and 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 placed okay. I came third overall in a 105, uh, but just felt really dreadful, to be honest, um, on that one. And, and just felt like there was loads more to come. And I I wasn't really putting together the, a performance that reflected how I felt I was actually... Uh, progressing in training and where I felt like I was at. So then that kind of takes us forward to to London. So I'd, I'd already booked my spot with the um October performance and, and then again in, in January. So I'd already got through to the age group for the world champs, but but we're kind of a way off the Elite 15. And then felt that in training I'd put together some really strong times, uh kind of sub sub 60 minutes by a couple of minutes and, and felt like I can put this together. I can do this. I just need to to turn up on the day and go. And then, yeah, got to London and, and kind of went for it and and felt like there's still more to come, but I felt like that was a much more reflective performance of, of where I'm at now, as opposed to where I was at, you know, when I came into this kind of 12, 12, 13 months ago. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It's, in, it's interesting. It's, it's probably why you caught a lot of us by surprise, maybe, to a certain extent. Yeah, yeah. You, you hadn't had that race, like the, that race that's gone perfectly with the perfect prep up until, up until that point. And to be yeah. fair to you... Uh, I mean, I don't know what you think, but I wouldn't say that London Olympia was like the fastest course in the world by any stretch of the imagination. And considering yeah. where you're sitting in terms of your times for like Elite 15 qualification, like you're, you're just outside of it. I'm I'm sure there'd be some other courses that we've seen this season that you're, you'd have gone a lot quicker on just by respect of the course, you know?
1: Yeah, I, I think so. I think that's a really good point. I, I mean, what I'd also just temper that with though is I do feel like, you know, it, it was in my control to, to kind of put together a time, you know, regardless of the course. I, I didn't do it on the day and that's on me. There's obviously there's always going to be an element of kind of flexibility that, that uh factors that you can't control as an athlete that you just have to budget in. You know, if I'd run mm-hmm. fast enough, if I'd run a bit quicker and run how I, how I want to run, how I feel I can run, I would have had enough time in the bank to even with, you know, a lot of traffic on the track i think that was probably the main thing and and kind of some of the stations having a bit of traffic like the farmers carry was a good one i kind of ended up trapped behind a couple of guys on that and they got out of the way and you know fair play to them but it just takes 10 15 seconds you know out of of what you could have done on those stations but that said if i'd if i'd really nailed it i, th- I think i could have done it in spite of those things rather than just th- those being kind of the the reasons why but yeah, I, that said, I, I thought it was a fantastic venue in terms of the atmosphere and the kind of the layout, having that that sort of second tier up, up up top where the spectators could kind of see and taking the warm-up area away from the track so that you're not having to kind of cross the track to go warm up and then yeah. cross to go fill up your water bottle and stuff like those kind of practical things made the whole approach and the feel of the venue incredible. It was just the kind of the fact you've got so many people on track it's going to slow you down a little bit because you're kind of ducking and diving to get round.
0: Yeah, 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 sure. If we uh, – can we can we go back, like, the, your first race um, yep. where you did, like – you came in, did a 107 in the men's pro race, which I know, like, you're not necessarily happy with and you could have gone quicker and you did it in tennis shoes <laughs> and so on. But, like, to a lot of people, they're still, like, very quick in reality. Yeah. Um, so what, what what is your background? Like, I know you, you mentioned CrossFit, but there's not – you know, not many CrossFitters can come and do that um what yeah what, yeah what, what were you doing up until that point
1: yeah so it's um it, it's kind of it's a slightly long and and sort of winding story but so my main sport growing up and for kind of as long as I can remember really was rugby so uh, I'm a relatively big guy and that meant that football wasn't really ever for me I, I kind of was slightly too physical <laughs> picked up a lot of cards when I was kind of playing at primary school and things. <laughs> So, so I got a tap on the shoulder and, and the PE teacher said, why don't you go down to the local rugby club, I think you might enjoy it there. And so my dad took me down kind of the next Sunday and I absolutely loved it. And that was kind of age eight or nine. And so from that point on, rugby was was my sport. I played other things. I played a bit of tennis, cricket in the summer, just through school and, and kind of the local club. Um, and, you know, was happy to kind of have a kickabout and, and all the rest of it. But really I was focused solely on rugby from that point on and uh, and that that ended up ultimately becoming my kind of full sporting life really and a lot of my social life and things as well i played through school uh, right the way through up till university and then went on to university and then played for uh, the first 15 at Durham which is kind of one of the best teams in the in the country and they have a bunch of guys who who turn professional at the end of kind of graduation each year so it's a fantastic kind of breeding ground for really good talented players and and that was fantastic. And that was probably my athletic peak in rugby. Was was playing at Durham, playing in the first fifteen there, doing some um, some bits and pieces outside of that with like a semi professional team as well, and kind of focusing on that. I played at like a regional standard and never never quite got to the age group international level. But that was always my aspiration. And then when I left university. I was picked up for my my job, uh, which is as a corporate lawyer. So I'm, I'm suited and booted tonight. And, um, and that meant that suddenly I had to try and balance playing a team sport, which has, you know, very set training times and kind of things, lots of travel at the weekends and things you have to fit in that have to fit around the team with kind of quite a demanding career. And so time-wise, it was just really hard to get those to line up, particularly to play at a standard that, I was happy with and that kind of reflected where where I'd been sort of through university and so inevitably what happened was I I kind of tried to do everything all at once burnt the candle at kind of four different ends and effectively wasn't getting very much sleep but then wasn't performing as well in my job that I would have liked and at the same time that was taking away from from what I was doing athletically and with rugby and it just ran me down and, and got to a point where I started picking up a lot of injuries I, I've done a bunch of different things, but everything from discated shoulder to uh, I've had knee surgery for a, a kind of slightly obscure injury in, in my knee where I lost a piece of cartilage that protects the bone. I've had ankle ligament issues, back problems, all sorts of kind of a real mixed bag of different things. And I got to the point where I stopped enjoying it because of that. And at the same time, just felt that I was in my mid 20s at this point. I've still got a lot of kind of road left in me in terms of athletically, but I just couldn't perform it. You know, I got to a stage where I couldn't do simple things like if someone wanted to have a a knockabout at tennis, I'd have to go and warm up for like 45 minutes before I could get on the court because I was just so stiff and kind of achy and and immobile. And and I couldn't run on the road. I could only run on a grass or like a 3G surface because my back and my knee would just blow up. I couldn't squat regularly. So there were loads of kind of issues. And a lot of that was on me and on my mobility prep and and the way that I was looking after myself, which just wasn't kind of um, professional enough, I suppose, but it it meant that I got to a stage where I felt I couldn't really do all that much. So I ended up stopping rugby and then kind of thinking about, you know, what do I want to do as my next sport? And sort of towards the end of that, I played for a really great sevens team. Uh, It's like an invitational team called Sons of Lazarus, which is kind of based in the North. And, really enjoyed that and kind of that had got me into to get fitter for that I was doing a bit of CrossFit kind of just doing the odd class here and there and um, and just doing a few kind of you know very standard sort of lifting a bit of weights and and doing a bit of cardio around the outside but nothing crazy so when I finally finished rugby I had all this time back and decided that I wanted to to go and try and find something to fill that void and find a new sport that I could get excited about And that i could keep doing for years to come so it wasn't something that i was kind of getting to the end of my potential at in mid-20s i wanted something that i could keep doing in my into my 30s 40s as long as i wanted really and um and that ultimately led me to deciding actually in covid that i was going to first kind of fix my body and spend a lot of time sort of trying to get myself moving properly improving my movement quality improving my mobility getting stronger and then just becoming a better, more rounded athlete. So I could actually do some of these kind of extracurricular things that I wanted to do. And then on that process that got me into, okay, what I want to do, I'm going to make functional fitness, my sport. And I I kind of use that term because I don't, I don't like the idea of just being tied to a brand. So it's not so much that I'm just doing CrossFit or even now High Rocks is very definitely the thing that I've had most success at, but it's not that I'm just doing High Rocks. I still have aspirations in the kind of CrossFit space and I've competed at a few CrossFit events um, kind of both regionally and kind of across the UK. So I wanted it to be something that I was going to do where where there was like a next step, where you know there was a possibility to get to an international standard if I was good enough and there was a possibility to push myself and find new limits. And once I got on that path and started to see progress, it just becomes so addictive. I'm I'm sure it's the same for yourself, where as you start to just see yourself improving and see that actually, you know, you thought, I thought at 21 I was the fittest I was going to ever be and the strongest. And now I can kind of confidently say I'm stronger than I was then. I'm I'm way fitter than I was then. And I feel so much better in my body than I did back then, even though I was actually heavier and kind of aesthetically probably look better at sort of 21, 22. And that's a really... Um, satisfying thing to feel and to know that actually, and I still don't think I'm anywhere near my potential. I, I can kind of, there's there's more levels that I can't even see that I can keep going through. And, and that's so exciting to just think, you know, you actually feel like you're still progressing and, and you know, as you turn 30 and go into your thirties and towards your forties. So, um, yeah, so that got me into, into that space. And then, like I said, I've done a few CrossFit bits and pieces. Uh, I've done some kind of team type one. So, I've done uh, a kind of great national comp called Trinity War, which is like a an official certified CrossFit event that I did with two really experienced CrossFitters, and I was kind of the newbie on the team. So Lynn and JJ looked after me, and that was a great intro to the sport. And then I've done a few individual comps, uh, the national fitness games that you might have heard of that's kind of CrossFit, but doesn't necessarily have as many of the high complex movements. It has some, but it's kind of, it's a good one if you're, Sort of fit, and you've got a good base, but you're actually still learning some of the really complex bits, like you know, hand, complex gymnastics, like muscle ups and handstand walks and things. So I've I've done that, and then, like I said, once I kind of tried high rocks, I was like, this, this is fantastic. This is so fun. The events are really well done. You know, they they run bang on time, which is so hard to do for a big event. The, they, they tap into that same community feel that you get with CrossFit. You know, everyone's really supportive, both the athletes and the spectators and the judges. I've not had anyone say or shout anything negative there, which, which you can't say of rugby. And I know it's even worse with, you know, like youth football, for example. Mm-hmm. And that's just such a, a rare thing and I love it. So, like, I've obviously had some success in that space and I feel like, you know, I just want to keep riding that wave. But at the moment, yeah, I'd say... I've kind of got into this functional fitness space, and I'm just loving it to be honest. And and kind of dipping my feet in and just getting fully stuck in now.
0: Awesome, awesome. I I was doing National Fitness Games. I'd say that was probably my my focus before HyROX actually. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cool event, but then I think I think probably the fact that HyROX like you get that time, and then you've got to yeah. beat at that time was was the thing that attracted me to it over and above like NFG really.
1: Um, That's it. It's it's it's, re- it's repeatable, isn't it? That's the thing. Yeah. Which which like you say, once you once you've got a time, it's like, oh, I wonder if I could just shave twenty seconds off or a minute, or, and yeah. then you get into. It. W- were you doing the individual comp or were you doing the team bits?
0: Uh, I did. Uh, well, in- individual when there when it was possible to do individual um yeah. and then I done uh, some doubles and then we done a team one as well so yeah a bit a bit of a mixture, actually um oh, over, nice. over a few years yeah it was it was yeah. cool. um, so you like i i appreciate you know rugby has a lot of running rugby sevens especially you know yeah. functional fitness energy but did, were you doing much running as you like prior to your first hyrox what, what sort of running volume you- were you doing
1: yeah, to be honest, not much at all. So I'd describe it as CrossFit running, which, which is no disrespect to those guys. But just because the sport is so broad, there's there's only so much time you can spend on any one skill. And yeah. for me, as you say, kind of coming from a running background, once I got to the stage where I kind of ironed out some of those injury problems that that stopped me basically like running on hard surfaces and things and, and kind of got some of that ankle mobility back, I effectively was parking the running because that wasn't the thing that was holding me back with CrossFit. The thing that was holding me back was the kind of complex movements, the max strength and the, um, and the complex kind of Olympic weightlifting as well. So that was where the focus was going in terms of training time. And then running wise, I was doing things like wads where you might have 400 meter repeats, occasionally 800 meter repeats. So total volume for a wad, you're looking at like two to three K on a big day. It might be three to four, but that would be like, once a week, and otherwise just drip feeding bits in into your warm ups. So kind of probably total volume like less than five or six k a week, I'd say. in In the run up to both the first time I went out, so Manchester 22, Vegas 23, uh, 22 as well. Sorry, um, I'd say yeah, probably le- less than six k a week. And then once I picked up that injury, then it was zero right up until the comp. Uh, and then a couple of week- couple of weeks off afterwards, and then kind of late summer started to to slowly build the volume and that that has been really led by and under the guise of Olivia from Meraki who's just been fantastic in terms of you know we've looked at the volume we've looked at some of the accessory work we plan it around all the other bits I'm doing so I program for myself but I have different coaches that feed in different specialists and then we all kind of work together to kind of put together a program that's not gonna be pulling in too many different directions. So like, I'm, I'm doing a lot of work on kind of shoulder rehab. Uh, I mentioned I had that kind of long standing shoulder injury. So we're doing a lot of work with Tim from Dynamic Shoulders on that regard, but we're also tying that in with my kind of complex gymnastics so that when I come back into some CrossFit competitions, I'm not gonna be way off the pace with some of the kind of handstand walking, handstand press ups, muscle ups, you know, kipping pull ups and any of that kind of rig based work. Um, we'll still be at a level where I can compete and and kind of not hold my team back um, for those types of events. But, yeah, in terms of running, I'd say the volume, we've crept it up. The, there's obviously different intensities that we hit and, and kind of different focus depending on the session. But since sort of September time last year through to now, it's night and day to to how it was prior to that.
0: What, what uh, People that listen to this like numbers, so what, what sort of yeah. running volume are you doing?
1: Yeah, I think I think week to week, um, total volume, probably looking at somewhere between like 23, 24k as like a lower end. Um, might occasionally drop below that if I'm tapering, for example, or if I picked up a niggle, but generally that's kind of the low end. And then the higher end sort of a 30-ish, maybe maybe just over 30k, that would be that would be a big week. So if I'm if I'm at a place in my program where you're pushing. know the volume across your sessions then i might build that in but you obviously you just have to really manage that so i have i have quite a structured program but also this kind of flexibility built in there and i think it's really important to have that because sometimes you can be working through something and particularly like running for me is quite a new thing particularly doing it as like a proper sport and actually drilling into the technique rather than it being rugby running where you're running to the ball or you're running to get in position for the next time you'll take a pass or, or chasing a defender, actually thinking about, no, we're looking at the technique, the mechanics, specific pacing, like how we can tap into kind of different energy zones. With that type of structured training, it's important to allow yourself some flexibility because you might have done like a really great tempo session on a Wednesday, roll through to Saturday and be like, right, this is going to be my long slow run. And then you just feel like your calves are still kind of locked up. There's no point going and and kind of nailing an hour of running at that point because if you're not going to get anything from it if it puts you more in a hole so then the following week you then can't hit the next tempo session you're actually better off kind of winding back and saying you know what where is my time best spent today my calves are fried therefore i'd be better focusing on maybe i can do some accessory work on my hip flexors that ties into running some more hamstring work and then look to do my slow run on, on kind of tomorrow, on the Sunday, or on the on the Monday, or look to get a massage and kind of free things up. So, um, yeah, it's I'd say generally in that range, but it does fluctuate a little bit depending on kind of how the body's feeling and, and where we're at in the programme. Okay.
0: All right. All right. Great. Um, obviously, we talked about your previous races and like some of the, the, the prep wasn't ideal and everything like that. Are there a few things that that spring out to you as being mistakes that you made, like leading into those events that potentially people listening to this could benefit from, that potentially they're making as well? Are there any that spring to mind?
1: Yeah. So, and and first, I'll start by saying I know you've got a guide to kind of the seven biggest Hyrox mistakes on on the uh, on your Instagram and on on the website, and they, I agree with all of those. I feel like <laughs> some of the ones that have caught me out. So and one was nutrition so like I talked about going into Birmingham I got my nutrition kind of off and effectively it was really dependent on the person but what that meant for me was I usually train early in the morning just to fit it around work so I usually have a big session in the morning if time allows I'll also train in the evening on certain days but if not then at least I banked my kind of main block of work for that day and then at weekends I'll I'll do something a bit different because I've got a bit more time Um, but that means that that i'm basically training fasted effectively i'm training with an empty stomach in the mornings so you get very used to that it's not ideal for a pure performance perspective in terms of if someone said to you can you go and do your max squat you know one rep max you're going to want something in your stomach and you're going to want some sugar probably as well kind of relatively close to doing that and it's the same for for running as well you know it's you want something within your system to actually kind of give you that boost to get through it but needs must so what that what that means is when I went into going into the Birmingham one, the event was obviously in the evening. So you're not going to go a full day without eating, particularly like a day of comp. So you've got to eat. So you can't have that, you can't have that exact same feeling as what you had when you went into it. But then what that meant for me was I ended up eating too close to the event. So I ate my last meal, I think about three-ish, three thirty. Quite a heavy meal, a lot of protein, a little bit of fat, lots of carbs. Um, but then I was warming up at five. So actually, I hadn't it hadn't cleared my system. I hadn't kind of fully absorbed by the time I'm warming up. And at that stage, you're pulling blood away from your stomach to your muscles to kind of do the warm up, and then you're ready. And then you're on the track and you're going. And I had the worst stitch you could ever imagine from about the first kind of the first corner I went round. It kicked in. And then it just held right the way through kind of the skier it was like the worst thing in the world because you, you've got that abdominal crunching as, as you're doing it. And it kind of held right the way through until the rower. And I got on the rower and, and that's normally kind of a, a, a thing that feels very comfortable for me. I've got a lot of kind of rowing um, experience now from, from CrossFit and we did quite a bit with rugby prior to that. And I got onto that and it was just a case of just hanging on and trying to stop feeling sick was basically the mantra. And once I cleared that... I then felt so much better that I sped up. I think my later runs in Birmingham were a lot faster because I just felt like I actually wasn't going to be sick as I was going around. But um, so nutrition was a really big one. I'd say like you just for, for anyone listening um, or anyone that's interested in this, I think it, it just matters. You need to repeat what you do day to day. So if you would, if you normally train and you're comfortable, you know, eating quite close to your training and you don't feel sick and you feel great and, you know, Then, then that's that works well, and it's the same for like in terms of the foods you're eating. Like if you're eating, if you always have a sandwich before you train, for example, and that's always your dinner, and then you shoot off to the gym and crack on after work, then that's fine to have on race day. You want to have something that your body is familiar with, but you shouldn't be kind of going and just saying, well, right, I never eat sweets normally, but I'm going to have a full bag of Malwams an hour before the race because you'll just feel dreadful. And the same if you if you normally train fasted, then if you know that you're going to be competing later in the day, can you ha- can you eat a long way away from that? Or can you start to do some sessions where maybe you have a bit of something in your stomach so that you're used to that feeling of actually having something there so it's not kind of alien on race day? Um, so I'd say that was a big one. And then the other one I'd just shout was, obviously, my early races, kind of doing it in tennis shoes, that they're, they're, they're built to slide. So when you get onto things like the sled push, sled pull, anything where you need to be anchored, it's not ideal because they're actually made to slide on that surface. And I think, you know, choosing your footwear is really important. There's obviously a debate about whether to go kind of racing flats or to go with something that's more kind of um, big and chunky with a bigger heel drop if you're looking at kind of running shoes and whether or not you use a plate. A lot of that will come down to your mechanics, your weight, and and what, what feels comfortable. But I think, yeah, definitely looking at your shoes and thinking about, you know is this actually the the kind of footwear that's going to serve me for what i'm doing it might not be the best for running but is it going to kind of cover all the other aspects in such a way that you're not just losing loads of time on one particular station because you've got no grip for example and you just can't put power through the sled so uh, i found that in my first race as well and that that caught me out but not again now
0: (laughs) yeah you're not the first either so (laughs) yeah (laughs) What um what shoe are you wearing now? What what did you wear in London?
1: So now I'm using these Saucony um endorphin pros. So uh, I've I've tried like a few different shoes. I don't I don't train in them all that much, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, but they are a fantastic shoe. They've I I, lo- I like them for me. So I'm I'm quite a heavy, I suppose, high rocks athlete in the sense that I'm um I raced in Birmingham at 96 kg. I'm currently sitting about 93 and a half. So so relatively heavy for kind of running fast. So something that gives you a bit more cushion, a bit more of a bounce back kind of a reflex works well. If you're a bit heavier, you get more out of that. You get more kind of um, power back from the shoe. So so that works well for me, but I have tried kind of other carbon plated shoes prior to kind of choosing which ones I was going to go with. And to be honest, like you've got to run in them before you buy them. I, I wouldn't buy a pair online without having running them first so so i went to like an actual running store kind of tried out a few things spoke to the guys who worked there who were super knowledgeable and the feel is so different shoe to shoe that i think it just really depends on you know what your mechanics are and what feels comfortable because if you get something that on paper is incredible like the nike you know vapor flies but they feel really unstable then you're actually going to run slower than if you just run in like a basic running shoe that was kind of 50 quid off of amazon so um I think like personal preference is is more important than you know whatever they tell you on the kind of marketing.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm 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 wearing those in Dolphin Pros as well now. Actually, I'll wear oh, those nice. In yeah, yeah. I like uh, them. I was that... three minute PB, so I was happy with them. But, so yeah, nice. nice. Is
1: that is that your first race in them?
0: Yes. Is yeah, yeah. 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 I try I, and I try. I'm trying not to use them too much in training or anything like that. Like keep them for race day as, as much as possible. Yeah. But um yeah i'm loving them at the moment so yeah
1: yeah no I've, I've recommended them to a couple of mates just for kind of general road running stuff and i think they're a fantastic shoe but you i just say you just got to try them before try before you buy because otherwise you get stuck with an expensive shoe that you know you don't love it, it's like you know you can feel like you've been sort of stung and then you don't want to buy another one because you know they're all pretty expensive so definitely worth kind of getting to a shop yeah 100
0: all right cool um let's uh we obviously sort of touched on your running volume but can, can we talk about some of your your running pace like over over 5k yep. 10k things like that if you know it um yep. where yeah where where are you coming out 5k 10k half marathon whatever it might be
1: yeah so to be honest like um i don't i haven't done we haven't done any kind of out and out time trials road based or, or like track based for those distances I've, I've done a lot of work Kind of mile splits and and 1ks and things like that and kind of some of the shorter stuff um but in terms of like the 5k so i've done a 5k trail run and that came out 1840ish i think um which wasn't sort of a max test it was more of a kind of get out there and just and just run off feel and and i quite like to i quite like to do build in trail running to some of my some of my slower runs some of my longer runs partly just because it's really interesting so it's nice to be out outside and kind of feel sort of you know disconnected you're not on you're not on a hard surface um but also i think it builds in like a lot of kind of poise into how you run so you have to really think about where you're putting your feet you have to really think about how you how balanced you are on your feet and if you've had issues where you're maybe lopsided and you put more too much pressure on like either your left or right leg because you're maybe a previous injury or just like that's your that that's your kind of style of running i think having a bit of a bit of trail work in there can work really well to even you out because you're thinking about every every step you take because you're kind of dodging tree roots and the, the terrain's not perfectly even so obviously it comes with some injury risk i suppose to an extent but actually it can be really rewarding and yeah it's just cool to be, to be out and about so that, that's my fi- that's my kind of fastest 5k time um 10k wise I think I've run like high 30s for that um I'd have to go back and check to be honest but again that's like uh, Olivia I'm always I'm always kind of banging on to her about trying to run a bit quicker and asking her when I can push things and she's always kind of reining me in so um (laughs) given given the kind of the massive improvements I've made I'm, I'm kind of sticking with sticking with her guidance but it'd be cool i think post world champs it'd be cool to kind of get some baseline data and and kind of do max tests on a couple of those types of slightly longer distances Uh, i've never never done a marathon um yet i don't think i've run a timed half marathon i don't know if i've probably done the distance but just not kind of packed you know just on like a steady five minutes a k like that kind of pace i can just kind of just chug away out like a diesel engine I guess for as long as you tell me to keep running I'll, I'll keep doing it so um but it'd be cool to kind of go and actually push some of those paces but in a way that's not going to impact you know my, my next comp basically so when I've got a bit of time in the off season um okay. and then like into in terms of like like shorter stuff like like 1ks and things you know like you're looking at kind of um I think fastest is either just under three minutes or thereabouts um for like 1k like 400 meters you're looking at like a minute like that those kind of distances are, are kind of um like we we touch those a bit more because we, we hit them in, the, in our tempo sessions so kind of a bit more familiar with with where i'm at with those bits and pieces mm-hmm.
0: um okay all right nice and um, and then and then strength wise um what about deadlift squats
1: yeah yes yeah, so i think like so so i do i do a bit of both um kind of at the moment i've been coming off the back of like a big kind of squat block so i recently did 150 for seven of kind of ass to grass kind of back squats um which i was quite happy with that that was like a good kind of it's, it's been quite a long road so I, I should have mentioned my injury history i this i herniated a, a disc kind of not fully but just like a, a disc bulge in my l4 l5 right at the start of covid and then that was the kind of trigger to start educating myself on fixing myself and then kind of starting down this functional fitness path um and so that had been a real big project to get back to some really heavy squats and kind of start to build that in. And so hitting that, I hit that a couple of months ago now, probably about six weeks ago. And that was just fantastic to kind of get that one banked and feel like I'm back to, back to where I wanted to be. And now able to kind of push on from there. So, so, so that's sort of some of my higher, higher numbers. I think my PB for one rep max back squats, 195 kg. Um, I've not tested that for a little while, but, you know, again, that's another one for the off-season, figure out where I'm at with that. But it'd be cool to get 200 at some point. That'd be, that's that's one of my kind of um, goals. Pull-up-wise, I've done like 32 strict pull-ups, I think, like unbroken. Uh, so that that kind of thing. Um, like, yeah, like different bits and pieces that I can, you know, clean jerk, like a good, good amount, over 100 kilos and snatch like 85, 90 kilos. So, of, yeah, they've got like got some good, good base to work from, but um, some of those are more like technical maxes, I'd say, than rather than like max strength tests, but just kind of continuing to work at it. And then in terms of deadlifts, uh, I'd mainly do that with for volume to be honest, and with like hamstring progression. So I haven't done like a one rep max deadlift for a, a good chunk of time, but I, I would imagine it would spit out somewhere around that kind of 210-ish ballpark um, maybe maybe 210 215 for, uh, right now but it'd be cool to kind of again push that on but right now it's just not a focus because it's not going to move the needle that much for my high performance so mm-hmm. unless unless it's going to help with that it kind of it's not there's no point really if you know what i mean like carries quite a high injury risk kind of a few months out a few weeks now but recently like a couple of months out from big competition it's just worth those sorts of things Doing the things that are actually going to drive the progress, and then I can come back to them sort of for fun um, in the summer.
0: Yeah, it, de- it definitely sounds like if if we're comparing you against, say, the elite fifteen or whatever, you're you're certainly at the the, the top end of the strength scale, really, uh, as as opposed to running. Like in terms of yeah. what your yeah. what your superpower might be in the, in the sport. Um, but I guess that's exciting because like you're you're progressing so much in your running still.
1: Um, uh, yeah. I think that's it. I think it just it like the running feels untapped, you know, like it, it feels crazy like, when you're asking these questions about like my running experience and like previous volume. I'm kind of thinking, oh, my God, people are going to listen to this and think, <laughs> what is this guy talking about? Because it, it was so low, but, you know, it, it was low for good reason because it was just kind of the competitions I was looking at. It wasn't going to help me move up the leaderboard because there were just much bigger Problems, I guess, that I needed to go away and fix. So now that I'm tapping into that and actually kind of getting more stuck in, I have, I would say I've become a runner and I really actually love and look forward to running now. Whereas previously it was just a necessary evil to get to the next bit of the workout. Now it's something that I actually love doing. And, you know, particularly like my long, steady runs on the weekend, it's just so, so, so much good fun once you kind of settle into the first 10, 15 minutes you're off you know i rarely do them with any music or any kind of podcast or audio stimulation because you just once you get in that rhythm it just feels fantastic
0: yeah yeah i'm not i'm not gonna lie i decided i didn't like you when you said uh you've done six six run running a week and you still did a 107 in the men's pro so <laughs> <laughs>
1: that
0: was jealous there
1: I, I have to try and redeem myself
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: um and how about uh how about like Rowing and skiing. What's your two k? Do you do? Uh, I suppose you do yeah. that in CrossFit a fair amount.
1: Yes. Yeah. I am. I actually don't know what my numbers are right now. I think I've done a two k row in, I want to say like six twenty ish, but maybe early six twenty something like that. I'd say like rowing. I I worked with a um a, a kind of a fantastic rowing coach, sort of when I came into CrossFit early on because I was. I was able to row quite fast for a short period of time. So maybe like a 500 meters, maybe up to the 1K. It was more kind of between five and, and 800 meters. But my my form was really bad. So I was feeling like feeling all in my arms and using a lot of that, which actually weirdly for something like high rocks, where your legs are getting hit so hard on everything else, is not actually the end of the world. But for something like CrossFit where, you know, potentially you're getting off a row and going into a, a big set of pull-ups it can be a, a real energy sapper and can take away from something that you know I would hope to excel at. So, because of that, I worked with this um, work this running coach, uh, sorry, this rowing coach, and we kind of ironed out a lot of my issues with what I was actually doing biomechanically. And so, I've been able since then to row the same speed or a bit faster, but the uh, kind of level of energy exertion is way way lower. So, like you know, five hundred meter row time would be like a one twenty. Four one twenty three kind of thing. Um, looking at okay, I'd, I'd be doing that in just about under three minutes, um, and and not feeling dreadful afterwards. Like still feeling rough. You're never gonna feel good after a one k max test. But proportionately, that that would be a stronger place for me, I'd say, rather than like the running. And then the skiing. Um, I do a lot of work on the ski. I typically do it over kind of a, a mixture of different time domains, but like I'd say yeah kind of a 1 140 type pace wouldn't be dreadful for 500 on the ski you know I'd be feeling be feeling like I was working hard but it wouldn't be like a max effort but then mm-hmm. you put that into like a high rocks so that might mean that you're backing off to like a 145 or 150 it's kind of buy yourself more time for the things where I know I'm going to be sapped so things like the running or some of the other stations um so I'd say that that's kind of that's more the way I approach it psychologically is they're, they're good stations for me but that doesn't necessarily mean that i'm going hard and flat out on them because they're good stations actually they're good kind of platforms for me to check in with myself see how i'm feeling maybe less on the ski because it's so early on but particularly the row when you're right in the middle sometimes you actually need like a chance to have some headspace and think about how am i doing where am i relative to the other people in my heat or, or kind of in the broader competition what, what's going on with my timings am i ahead of time or behind time and, and how's my body feeling like am i going to be able to get off this row and push or actually do i need to give myself an extra 10 seconds on this to, to create the space for me to then go and perform you know 15 seconds better on the running okay.
0: um okay and I, I know you sort of touched on it there but are, are you changing your technique uh in in at the, in the row in a high rocks like, are, you, are you trying to consciously make it more arms uh dominant than you might do in a I, crossfit competition for example
1: yeah i'd say i'd say a little bit i'd say um you're a bit more relaxed about how you're rowing so like i'm, I'm thinking less about like activating my quads for example and getting a really clean pull on the rower and thinking more about just focusing on my breathing because that's the thing that's going to really helped me kind of settle and help my heart rate settle um, and if that means inevitably bringing in more arms then then that's cool and that's okay um, because what you don't want is to kind of come off with a massive leg pump when your legs are already really pumped knowing that you've still got you know the lunges which are going to be tough and then obviously the wall balls to finish if, if you end up doing the row 20 seconds quicker because you're moving perfectly but then you hit the wall balls and you're a minute slower you've, you've got a net loss of 40 seconds. So actually you would have been better backing off on the row. So I think I think I'm aware of those sorts of things. So yeah, trying to tweak it but not making massive adjustments because still you still want to move correctly, you still want to move as efficiently as possible, even if it's slightly more leg dominant than, you know, perhaps if you went all arms on the row, say. Yeah, that makes sense.
0: All right. Uh, if we just uh, can we can we switch to talking a little bit about mindset? I'm always interested to yeah uh, to to see how some of you guys think and like when you're racing and when you're training and when things are getting tough. What what do you what do you think about?
1: Yeah, uh, good good question. Um, I think it. Uh, well, I, I should say I'm working with some guys who who've got a lot of um, skin in the game in that regard. So like, shout out to Martin, who's one of my training partners and. And kind of get, helps sort of give me some ideas and, and helps kind of shape some of my training as well. Because I'd say when you are training, if you design your own training or, or like I do a lot of training on my own. And then when I get to train with people, we try and structure it in a way that's going to help you know my performance as, as well as theirs. Um, and so when we're doing that, sometimes it's quite good if I can actually give the power of programming to someone else for a session you know maybe not for the whole session but I'll say right this is the workout we're doing I actually want you to tell you know tell me how many rounds it's going to be I don't want you to tell me at the start you can tell me halfway through and you can t- you can change it if you want and those sorts of those sorts of small tools and tricks but actually sometimes you need that to unlock that kind of next level of okay I can actually go to this place and and still crack on and so I've been doing a lot of work in that regard I'd say like in terms of what I'm thinking when I'm training it, it does vary day-to-day because it's kind of, you know, your mood is gonna go up and down um, and you've got to appreciate that and kind of make space for that. Generally, the things I focus on are trying to look at whatever I'm doing, so say a workout, and you could take a high rock simulation as a good example, but it could be any workout over any time domain and thinking, you know, how should I be approaching this? Where should I break this up if anywhere? If it's really short, if it's, you know, like you said, like a 500-meter max row, um, max speed rowing test, then there's no need to break it up at all. You just get into it and you get after it. But if it's something that's kind of six minutes plus or 20 minutes plus even or or up to an hour, if it's like a Hirox simulation or a Hirox race, you're going to have time to think about what you're doing and your attention span is going to break at some point when you're looking at that length of time. So trying to pretend or train that it won't is, is not going to help you what you need to do is actually appreciate it is going to be different and that's fine but what are you going to do and what are the sorts of things you're going to focus on in that moment and something like high rocks where you've got one constant which is the run and so you kind of keep going out on the run and then you hit station one and then you run again and then you hit station two it's really good uh it's a really good opportunity to think about resetting and and kind of that way, if you have a bad run, so say you come off the back of the sled push and you run 40 seconds slower than what your ideal target pace, then at least when you come onto the next station, it's so different that you're not hitting the same thing again and again. So then you don't need to let that kind of negativity compound and affect the next thing. And I think that's one of the big things Like I try to focus on and I try and put myself in a, in slightly difficult positions in training by using my training partners to help me out. And they're fantastic at Testudo for doing that. They will, you know, they they might lap me in a workout or they might deliberately, they might skip around or they might add an extra round. So they know there's going to be five rounds and I think there's four and I empty the tank on the fourth. And then suddenly they tell me, I've got to go again and things like that really help to build that mental resilience where you don't let something Compound and the negativity build as you go through an event, but actually you flick a switch and you settle much quicker and you try and process it. And I think it's just trying to for me that's that's what works. I'm not saying it would work for everyone, but I think it's a good way to look at your training and then that comes into your race because you you're setting yourself up so that if things go kind of slightly off plan or maybe if they go majorly off plan, you don't just throw the towel in. And like a good example was with Birmingham. You know, I said I got my nutrition wrong. I I like threw up in my mouth on like the second run. I think it was just from feeling just dreadful, and that happened a couple of times. And then I I tweaked my soleus in my in my right leg on I think the fourth or the fifth run. So kind of halfway through, and it would have been easy at that point to say, "Oh, I'm halfway through. I think I was sat in about third place at the time, and just say, you know what, cut it, cut the losses. I've got an, uh, there's other races this season. I'll just dive out." And but I just got onto the next station, reset. Just said no, it's okay. You're all okay. Nothing, mate. You're not. You're not in searing pain. You just got this calf tightness, and you just feel a bit uncomfortable. Just reset. Go again. It's a new round. It's a new round. And then before I knew it, you know, you processed. You felt much better. And then I could push on the last couple of rounds and and kind of overtake the guys in my heat and and finish second. So, I think without having those that type of training built in. I probably wouldn't have thought that way. And I probably would have just thought, Oh no, I've worked really hard for this race. I feel awful. I'm going to be sick. My calf really hurts. And then you would have started to either back off the pace to try and build space for you to feel better, or maybe just cut the ties and just gone, you know what? No, it's not worth it. It's not worth the risk and stop then. So I think that's, that's how I approach it. I know it's quite a long winded answer, but yeah, like the way to, the way I see it is kind of a series of short tasks that you try and segregate from one another so that if one goes bad or one goes really well, it doesn't infect the next one and the next one and the next one. And, um, and, and viewing it in that, in that place mentally has helped me to kind of, you know, perform, um, recently, like how, how I wanted to.
0: Yeah. And high rocks, I guess, sort of almost naturally lends itself to, to being able to do that as well. Right. Rather yeah. than A marathon, for example,
1: um, exactly yeah. yeah no no that the, yeah exactly that's exactly right but the things i'd say like you can apply it to other things so you know murph is, is obviously a great crossfit workout it's probably it's quite a good one actually i'd say for for the hyrox audience because of it's got the running element Uh, the movements are are relatively straightforward like everyone's you know done some form of of a pulling exercise if it's not pull-ups you can do ring rows and you can scale it kind of accordingly everyone knows what a press-up is and knows what a bodyweight squat is so that's a good workout it's easy when you look at it because it's a mile run 100 pull-ups 200 press-ups 300 squats a mile run you can see that and just see this horrendous mountain of work you've got to go through but actually when you look at that if you break it up into chunks, you know, if you're running to a marker, for example, say 800 meters there, you turn around, you run 800 back, and then you start your pull-ups. If you if you can try and break that into chunks where you know maybe you reward yourself at certain stages in the workout, so you do three rounds and then you allow yourself a 30 second break, and in that break you you get some water or you get some fluids or you rechalk your hands or whatever it is, and then you go again, you do another three rounds in the same time domain, and then you get another break doing it that way is so helpful for kind of breaking up and then before you know it you get to the end of the workout and you realize you've climbed this mountain that looked un- insurmountable when you came into it and and now here you are and you feel fantastic and i'd say you know it's different with high rocks because every time you race every time you rest you know that you know the clock's still running and everyone there's so many other people running past you that you're probably less likely to do that but actually if it's your first race or or if kind of you're new to the sport you know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with stopping at the water station for 15 seconds and grabbing a drink and just taking a minute and then going on because, you know, you'll feel so much better. And actually, if that allows you in the next round and the next two or three rounds, the next three stations to go a minute faster than the 15 second rest was well worth it. And I think it's just worth thinking about your race and, and kind of your event in those, in that lens. If you have a net loss of time, even if you've had a bit of, kind of standstill time and rest time that's better off than never stopping but actually losing more time because you're absolutely goosed kind of as you as you move into the later stages
0: yeah yeah makes sense okay all right brilliant all right well uh i know, I know we're coming up to uh to our time now uh i just want to ask one thing in your in your social media yeah. instagram profile it says rugby crossfit and tortoise enthusiast
1: yeah
0: <laughs> you, you've got a pet tortoise
1: I do, I do have Pet Tortoise. He's uh, he's called Toffee and he he's 20 uh, he's 28 now. He's massive. Um, so he's about it's hard to hard to give it kind of on the on the screen. I guess the hands have to be too wide, but he's effectively he's about 30 kilos heavy now. So, wow. he, so he's a big a big unit and he's probably best part of 40 centimeters long and then kind of like 20 up. So um no he's a he's a big guy and and for a tortoise he's got a lot of personality as well he's he's quite feisty and he loves a loves a summer breakout when he's out and about in the garden he loves trying to kind of run rings around my dad and break out of the garden and <laughs> he has to go chase <laughs> after him with a wheelbarrow so um yeah he's a uh, he, he he's pretty cool but uh, that's actually where the name of of my gym back in Manchester comes from so we call it Testudo and that's named after effectively toffee because Testudo is is tortoise in latin um so
0: uh okay so is that is that you is that your gym or just your, your the, the gym you're training at
1: so yeah so so it, it's it's my gym i um it's actually a covert project that's that's continued so it started off as as my parents kind of garage um which when i injured my back i moved back to them uh because i was having kind of issues that couldn't drive for for a little bit and and basically was having all kinds of trauma with sort of nerve pain so, so I moved back there for for a couple of months right at the start of sort of March 2020. And, and we started building this, this gym, which effectively was kind of an outdoor um, pull-up station. So like an outdoor rig and like an exercise bike. And then that's just grown and grown and we've sort of grown organically. And in that time, I've gone and got myself certified as a, as a PT and group exercise instructor, um, which was part of kind of expanding my knowledge, but also to kind of allow me to, deliver a better service for the guys who train with me so for all my training partners um shout out to the the team testudo they're all guys sort of in the network and we've grown organically and there's sort of about 10 or 10 or 11 of us now um that train there regularly and and we we all kind of are training for different things but i help coach the guys on the things that they want to get better at and for some of them that's high rocks for others it's kind of different challenges but um but yeah testudo is our little our little gym
0: okay brilliant you got have you got a website for that or uh
1: not yet? No. Um, so I know at the moment I'm kind of a bit of an online ghost to be honest, but I need to I, I am uh, now now that I'm starting to actually kind of get somewhere with high rocks, I'm I'm starting to kind of spend a bit more time on that. So hopefully in the next kind of couple of months, um some stuff will go up online and and yeah, and my social media will will be updated. I think it's about time I I put Hyrox in there and maybe take rugby out, given I've I've not played for a couple of years now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. What 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 is your Instagram profile? Uh, uh it's
1: it's at H P Thompson thirty two and Thompsons with a P, but all, all one word. Um. So yeah. So anyone that wants to follow me or any sponsors, I'm obviously not working with them at the moment. So shout out to any kit clothing companies etc. It'd be awesome to. To reach out happy to work with anyone okay
0: all right brilliant um all right thank you for this i appreciate it It was great really really good to talk to you um good luck for manchester hopefully see Thanks you very uh, much
1: yes anything, no, Absolutely.
0: anything anything else you want to want to add shout out anything you wish i'd asked
1: yeah um i think just like the the only thing i'd sort of shout out is is to my like support network like i mentioned kind of some of my coaches that do an incredible job and, and we work really well together. So I mentioned like Tim, and Olivia. Um, I've also kind of shout out to Clive, the physio. But then I've got the kind of my immediate support network. I've got my parents and Hannah, my girlfriend, who just take care of everything. And they're so understanding. I know, um, obviously, wearing a suit, so I have I have a, a a fairly demanding day job that I have to fit in kind of around training, and that sometimes means like less time with my family, less time with with Hannah and my friends. But they're so understanding and they kind of just help take care of everything that, that allows me to pursue this dream of mine and i'm so grateful to them for that so yeah big shout out to them uh, and also to sammy who's uh my powerlifting um friend who, who basically helps oversee my programming as well so he he kind of gives me a powerlifting in, influence and that's been absolutely instrumental in kind of seeing me rehab my back and, and get back to to competing again
0: all right all right excellent all right. Well brilliant. Thank you for this. And uh yeah, I'll see you in Manchester.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, we'll have to grab a drink afterwards.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. All right. Thank you. That's Take great. care everyone. Great see you. See you. Yeah. you.
1: Bye.